0: Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Lynn Reeves on the show with me. When you're hearing this, her book just released yesterday. It's called Dark Rivers to Cross, and what an amazing uh, psychological suspense thriller. I, I don't know exactly how this book is categorized, but it was such a joy to read and kept my Adrenaline peaked. Uh, you know all the all the good feelings that you want. Um, such a fun read. Uh, welcome to the show, Lynn.
1: Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I'm so delighted that you enjoyed it. Can't wait to absolutely.
0: talk. To absolutely, absolutely, um, Lynn. We're, we've got a lot to talk about today. But before we do, we begin the show with the same question each time, and that question is, "What is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller?"
1: Wow, I love that question. I would say that you got it right with the second word. So I've always known I was a storyteller. I didn't always know that I wanted to categorize or craft my stories in writing. I started my career in theater and I really felt like storytelling was in my DNA. Um, I've always thought about character. I've always thought about inhabiting other people's lives and trying on different emotions. And when I got a little bit older and I had advanced in my career as a family counselor, I realized that really everything I was doing had to do with stories. And that's when I turned to the page and it's been it's just been wonderful since to use fiction as a vehicle for for what I think and feel about the world and how to inhabit other characters
0: so from from someone who had an early love of theater um, and then got into family counseling then to writing fiction, you know one of my favorite things about talking to writers is the circuitous route that so many of us take to get to where we are that there's so much about life that informs storytelling um, when when you're um, when you were in theater let's let's go back to that point. Um, I, I know a lot of actors um, who uh, become writers. And I, I have this kind of pet theory and, and a lot of people laugh at it, that, that a lot of writers are frustrated actors. Um, because the, you know, as the writer, you get to be all of the roles, you get to be the actor, you get to be the director and you get to be the, the, uh, the writer, the producer, you know, all of that, you, you have full control over the story and, and kind of holding people's emotions in your hand. Um, did, did that ever occur to you that that, you know, becoming uh, a prose writer lets you be in full control of the story?
1: Well, everyone who knows me would say that you characterize me pretty well, Hank, and we only just met. (laughs) But yes, I do like to inhabit all of the characters and be the director and the producer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really do love fiction for that very reason, which is that There is the the art of discovering a story and whose story it is to tell and how the story will be uh, revealed. Uh, But then there's also the science of craft, which is to go in then and make changes for the sake of the narrative, for the sake of the engine of the story. Uh, And I love doing all of that as well. So yeah, I would say my theater background has come in uh, very handy, uh, as has my family counselor background. In being able to craft stories that that can really dig deeper into these issues,
0: I, I find it you know there, there's when you look back over life, you you can identify all of the experiences that um informed you as a writer that that gave you a bit of expertise to um kind of peel back the layers of, of whatever circumstance it is. But being a family counselor who then, goes on to write domestic suspense um you know that's that what better research can you do for the kinds of fiction that you write that's that you know it's um it, it's uh, it, I, I can't think of a better training
1: well it certainly has been uh helpful i think that since all of my work has as its core family dynamics and the relationships between people and why we feel so vulnerable with certain people and why we hold back from them what is our most authentic self. All of that plays out in my stories. And with Dark Rivers to Cross, which is my fifth novel, uh, it's probably the darkest emotional train I've, I've explored, but it is very much like my previous work, which is I really try to examine what makes people do what they do, why people uh, hold back from the relationships they hold most dear. And in this particular story, it really looks at when a parent keeps a secret from their children, how close can then that relationship ever really be? If there is distance between you uh, because of what you're holding back, how can you ever be close? And so I did a lot of research on different kinds of aspects of the story, the setting, for example, and and I did a lot of uh, sort of focus group research on uh, what people experience when they're adopted and all of these kinds of th- things that really play out in the story. But my background as a family counselor and sort of understanding the themes that emerge in family life, that part has just come, become invaluable in the work that I do.
0: Um. You also publish general fiction under uh, the name Lynn Griffin, and you've published uh, a book of nonfiction on parenting uh, under Lynn Reeves Griffin. Uh, w- which one came first?
1: So the parenting work came first after I did not go to Bennington College for theater, which was my dream. I went to uh, to get my undergraduate and graduate degrees from Northeastern University and became a nurse and a counselor, and I then realized that I had a lot to say about that field, and so I started writing health education and parenting, and I have two books of nonfiction out on the subject of parenting, and did a lot of public speaking. I still do work. I work with schools on preventive mental health, uh, but then when I wanted to really pursue that creative part of me that felt, you know, sort of under-examined. I turned to fiction instead of going back to theater. And I have, I wrote the novels, uh, the three novels under my name, Lynn Griffin, which is my married name. Um, But then when my fiction turned more psychological suspense, it made sense to forecast that to readers by going with the name Lynn Reeves, while at the same time, and I know this is complicated, but while at the same time, uh, embracing the fact that I've written these other novels and I've written the nonfiction as well and that there are many facets to what I write. Uh, And so it is no secret that Lynn Reeves is my pen name, but it's also, it's also my real name. So.
0: Right. And this, this question I'm going to ask, I'm just going to preface it before I ask it um, in that I, I do not mean to diminish your nonfiction work in any way. Um, but since you did write your nonfiction first, do you feel like that that helped you uh, kind of bridge um, over to writing fiction? Did did writing the nonfiction did that kind of get the the wheels in motion? You know uh, that that you can um, tell a story. Uh, I'm I'm making air quotes here around your your nonfiction because even nonfiction is storytelling. You're you're packaging information. But you're finding a way to get it across to the reader in an engaging way to hold their attention and to, to take the reader on a journey, if you will. Um, did that help you to kind of, you know, stretch your creative wings to, to then get over to writing fiction?
1: That's an excellent question. And I would say absolutely. I think writing across genres is both beneficial from a creative standpoint because it gets your brain working with the possibilities on the page. Uh, it's also true that that nonfiction is storytelling, so I'd agree with you there. I think that when I write nonfiction, whether it's an essay, a self-help article, or, or a book of nonfiction, I'm still trying to engage the reader in the sense of how to hold material in memory. And the way that we hold material in memory is through story. So if I'm doing a parenting workshop, I'll tell people a story about, you know, a little kiddo that I worked with or, or a mom or a dad I worked with. And that allows other people to connect to the material. So yes, for sure. The nonfiction taught me a lot. Uh, but what I would say is that that what was not satisfying to me about the nonfiction was that I felt increasingly in need of being prescriptive. In other words, telling people there's a right way to do this. There's a not so great way to do this. And I think what has, changed for me over time is that I'm, I'm increasingly sure there's no right answer. I'm increasingly sure that what happens in family life is both personal and universal, but not always one right way to do something. And that's where my fiction has allowed me to examine these deep issues. Uh, my, my novel, The Dangers of an Ordinary Night, was about addiction and the impact of addiction on caregivers. Uh, dark rivers to cross looks at inherited trauma and family violence, and and again, there are no right answers. There are only situations in which we have complex relationships to navigate, and that's what fric- fiction allows me to do. Is it it allows me the freedom to explore these things without saying there's any one way to contend with it.
0: So, if you're writing nonfiction, you're and and please uh, jump in and correct me where I'm wrong. Um, but you're you're taking concepts and kind of in a prescriptive way, kind of walking out those concepts. Whereas when you're writing fiction, um, you're creating a character, injecting them into a scenario that might involve one of these concepts and then kind of seeing what humans do with that. Is, is that a fair way to kind of look at the difference.
1: That's a fantastic way to capture it. I would absolutely agree that that's what my intention is. I also really, in my fiction, steer very clear of making it nonfiction in disguise. I don't want that experience for readers. Right. I, I, much, I would much rather for them to say, especially in Dark Rivers to Cross, for example, that uh, Lena made some really bad choices And Lena also made some really great choices, but would they be the choices that I would make? Or can a reader inhabit the story and say, I wouldn't have done that, or I would have done that, or at the very least, I can understand why she did and allow there to be space for the myriad ways people examine their lives and make choices or don't related to what's happening to them. That's more fascinating to me. Right,
0: right, and even if it's not your intention, um you know uh your books are not um what, what's the the term I'm looking for um uh, not a way to showcase how bad decisions go bad um but it, it sometimes it's more fun to see someone make choices that you would not make uh, and just kind of see where it goes,
1: totally. Totally. And I think that there's courage for the choices that the characters make in this particular novel, even when they're making what I think people could universally suggest are bad decisions. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I mean, that's where fiction is fun, right? You, you're watching the person walk down those stairs to the basement and you're saying, don't do it. Uh, so um, my novel watches these characters make some of these choices. And at the very same time, we want to see what they will do in, in, you know, related to the consequences of those decisions, uh, right. who, who they trust and who they don't trust. And, and is that a mistake or a plus? Right. And we find that out along the way in the story for sure.
0: Lynn, one of my favorite things to ask people is um, how their their stories begin. Like, I, I like to trace a story back to uh, its its origin, to its moment of conception. Um, and in one moment, um, it, a book like um Dark Rivers to Cross does not exist in in any fashion uh, and then maybe you start thinking of uh, you know maybe you're you're thinking of a um an an interpersonal conflict you know it kind of in in big terms and then start you know casting um you know a story in your mind with with characters that just walk onto the stage and then all of a sudden conflict arises and then you follow these characters to see where it goes. Or maybe you see um, a a story on the news and it starts the what if game or or whatever it is. But whatever sparks that moment of imagination, then dark rivers to cross does exist. And it's your job as the writer to dig that story out, dust it off and, you know, polish it up and go through all the things that a writer goes through to bring a story to fruition. Um, what What is that moment of creation like for you?
1: So this particular novel was different than my others in that I feel that I already it came to me in, in its entirety as one whole story. And I and I definitely saw what the inciting incident is, what happens right at the very beginning. I knew what the journey of discovery would be, where the suspense would lie. I knew the characters who would inhabit the story, although, of course, I got to know them more deeply as the story, as I wrote the story and edited the story. What what is very different about this story is that even though all of it came to me sort of as one big whole, uh, it posed a different kind of challenge as a writer because I had to figure out which parts came first. So I did know the whole, but I didn't know the component parts and the way in which they needed to be revealed to the reader. To engage the reader in what was happening to these people. So the challenge in the writing was the bits and pieces and how they come out of order. The story is not told linearly. It's told in broken parts, and it's right. told in a present day quest. And so the how to break it apart so that it actually goes back together was the biggest challenge yet for me. Uh, I had in my mind, that the novel would read like the turbulent river that it's set on, and that it would feel to the reader as if they were in a bit of a whitewater rafting trip. And okay. so, as you can imagine, it it was very difficult to try to simulate that on the page.
0: So that that leads me to um to ask when you're in the pre-writing phase of your book where where you have the story kind of rolling around in your mind and the characters. Um, are you a uh, a planner or uh, or a pantser? Do Do you discover the story as you write, or are you the kind of person that needs to kind of sketch it all out and get a plan together and then write to that plan?
1: So I'm very much both of those things, but I have a particular way that I do it, which is that I let myself have a period of discovery where I'm journaling things, right? And I'm I have journals in which I keep sort of research notes. And ideas as they come to me. And so I'm sketching as I'm discovering. And then when I I get a certain feeling, and I know this sounds kind of, you know, the, art, the artiste in me, but I get a sort of a feeling when it's time to start writing. And then I sketch and write and sketch and write until the form becomes complete for me. So I definitely do both of them at the same time. Um, I don't write down rabbit holes and in other words I don't write to discover and, and go off on you know 50 or 100 page tangents. I'm, I'm a little bit too um, I don't know obsessive to do that. Uh, I would much rather do this this kind of sketching where I start seeing a form and then I write to that and see where that leads.
0: So, speaking of the turbulent, tumultuous um, kind of narrative form that this book takes, um, you, as you're you're getting the novel put together, w- were there ever times where you worried that that the reader wasn't going to follow along? Like, you know, the the kind of the the line you have to walk there is, you know, I want to keep the reader guessing, um, but if it gets to the point where the reader's guessing too much, they'll just give up. Like. There has to be a thread that goes through there that the reader can follow to know that they can trust you, that you're going to take them to a particular place. When And maybe this is like a second draft question, but after you've kind of gotten all of the, the scenes laid out and, and, you know, you kind of understand the narrative structure yourself, then what do you do in that editing phase to, to make sure that the story is flowing and that the reader can follow along? while also keeping them, um, you know, kind of off balance at the same time?
1: Really great question. And I think this is important really for every writer. It's also really important for readers. I think it's important for readers to understand that, that writers work really hard to feel that sense of authority or credibility to tell a story, while at the same time, not withholding to, to annoy people, but not revealing things too quickly that that's a that's a delicate balance. Um, It's also perfectly fine for readers of this genre to expect certain things and then hope that the writer can deliver those. So how do I do that? I do that by setting goals for myself. So for example, it's very clear in Dark Rivers to Cross, you know it fairly soon in the beginning that there will be a confrontation between this, this woman and the person that she's running from. And and I'm fine with readers knowing that that's inevitable. But they don't know how I'm going to do it, right? So it's okay with me if they know that this inevitable thing will have to happen, but that they trust me that I'm going to reveal it to them in a new way, in a fresh way, in an exciting way. And then that's my job to deliver that. Um, right. So I in, in the editing process, in the revision process, I hold myself to a standard uh, that says, you know i'm fine if the reader knows what's going to happen they just don't know how i'm going to make it happen right
0: right one of the um one of the interesting things in a suspense book is that you keep the reader always when you're reading the book it it always seems like there's an answer just out of my reach and and if i keep reading i'll discover it and you know the whole time you're you're like dragging that carrot just a, a little it's just always just out of reach um there there's a a difference in um kind of relaying that sort of tension and, and building that level of tension that if you went any farther it it would almost get into horror territory like there's a there's a balance there of keeping the the unknown and the um kind of the nervousness of the reader without just scaring the the bejesus out of them um do you ever think about that line of kind of balancing tension with um, real life a little sunshine you know with the with the despair um uh, moments of levity you know compared to you know just the utter desolation of everything how do you handle that balance
1: well I think maybe that comes a little bit from my family counseling background, which is sort of my worldview, my worldview is that even when things get deep and dark and emotional, that there is always light. And the light is in opening ourselves up to other people. So I think one of the themes throughout all of my work is the idea that the more we do reveal what makes us vulnerable and what frightens us and what we find hard to talk about, Therein lies the healing. There's the hope. So, in Dark Rivers to Cross, I, I did want that tension to be just out of reach, and I created that by having, as one character moves forward in in her quest for something, um, she meets an obstacle with her sons, and vice versa. When they are trying to move forward on their quest to figure out what is the secret she is keeping, uh, something gets thrown in their path as well. So there's this push-pull, this two-steps-forward, one-step-back feeling. But at the core of it is that the characters believe there is hope in knowing and in connecting and in finding out what the others need. So for me, the core of it really is the idea that, yes, I'm writing about these dark, deep, emotional issues, uh, but it's because I believe that if we reveal them to each other, we're better off.
0: Right. Speaking of the family dynamic, um, this book uh, has a really interesting um, family dynamic in that um, that our our protagonist has Lena has has two sons, one a biological son and one an adopted son, and this sets up all kinds of family tension on multiple levels. Um, what was the decision uh, to to kind of set up the family in this way?
1: So again, really, what I wanted to examine in this, and this is again my family counselor background, is I wanted to think about the stories that our parents tell us, and how that shapes the way we live in our in the world. Uh, but what happens if parts of that story are not true, or parts of that story are not revealed to us? Then what? And so you know. Uh, this particular story, I always knew that what I was trying to examine is the nature nurture question, how much of how we live in the world has to do with our inherited traits and how much has to do with the environment in which we live. That's why I set it in the main woods. rugged landscape shows you what you're made of. Uh, and so all of those variables came together to to run in the background of the story, and sometimes in the foreground, um. But for sure, I I intentionally chose those those craft details or craft elements uh, to to put pressure on these characters to see what they're made of.
0: Lynn, do you ever set up a story situation um, where you hope that it will make a reader change their mind about something or maybe um, in the hopes that at the end of the book, they'll think differently um, about. A preconceived notion of some sort. I I don't have a specific example in mind. I'm just, um, you know, since we're doing these kind of explorations of, of human nature and family dynamics, um, is, is that ever a hope? Uh, you know, not that you write books in a preachy way to, to get across a certain, um, point of view, but but you do approach it from a certain worldview. Um, so is that ever kind of a, a subconscious desire?
1: I think it's a very conscious desire that I write my books in the hopes that when a person reads it finishes it that they want to talk to somebody about it. So, I don't actually set out hoping to change anybody's mind. I don't set out to to have a reader believe something that I'm trying to get across thematically, but what I really want I want them to have so most almost a burning desire to need to talk to somebody about it because to me, because to me, the whole idea is that if we talk about these issues, if we talk about family violence, if we talk about what it means to to have something deep and dark in your past that you feel like you can't tell your children about it. Um, how do we talk to children about our 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 deepest fears? Um If you get to the end of one of my books and you say, I really want to talk to somebody about this, then I feel like I've done my job because I want us to talk more about the undiscussables of family life.
0: Right, right. Um, Lynn, if we know anything about publishing, this book has been off of your desk for several months, um, at least. Um, What has your attention turned to now? What are you working on now?
1: I am definitely working on another novel that is along the same vein. I'm exploring the, uh, the issues that relate to choosing motherhood, the ways in which women choose motherhood or don't, and the implications that has on their family lives. Now, of course, I wouldn't be writing domestic suspense if there weren't lots of twists and turns <laughs> and course. possibly a crime or two. But I'm examining the ways in which women come to motherhood. Love it.
0: Love it. Um, The new book, Dark Rivers to Cross, is available everywhere today. You can grab it in Kindle edition or hold the paper in your own hand or audiobook. Um, Have you heard any of the audiobook uh, edition yet?
1: I'm so glad you asked. I listened to the first chapter of the audiobook this morning and it was. It was uh, narrated by Laura Jennings, and I'm giving a shout out to her because she brought me to tears in the way she captured uh, my, my protagonist, Lena. Uh, she's quite a talent, and so the audio version is terrific if you're, if you're, if you're a listener.
0: Love it. Well, we'll put links to all of the formats in the show notes of this episode to make it easy for folks to find. Uh, Lynn, if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you're up to, uh, where can they connect with you online?
1: My website is lingriffin.com And remember, I'm Lynn Reeves Griffin. So the website is Lynn Griffin. The novel Dark Rivers to Cross is under Lynn Reeves. Um, I'm all the same person, I assure you. and uh, <laughs> And I'm on social media as well. I'm on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Excellent. We'll link up those places as well in the show notes. Lynn, this has been so much fun chatting. Uh, We're going to send everyone to pick up their copy of Dark Rivers to Cross. Uh, Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Hank. The questions were awesome. I really enjoyed chatting with you.